Before we start this episode, I want to take a second and thank all the patron members who make this possible uh, because this show is sponsored by patrons and times like this is when it's really, really uh, beneficial because this episode was, of course, done live on YouTube and YouTube deemed this to be inappropriate for advertisers. Um, the context of what I was talking about doesn't seem to appeal to advertisers. So you can judge for yourself if I said anything you think an advertiser wouldn't want uh, to be associated with. But again, I just want to thank you guys for watching and listening to the show and also for the patrons who support it uh, by, by sponsoring it. Okay, let's get started. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear remote podcast from Fort Wayne, Indiana in Sweetwater. Uh, did you see their candy factory? They don't have a candy factory, but they do have an area where they sort and assemble all of those candy bags that you guys get, including the custom candy bags. I don't know if you guys know, but you can actually request to get a particular type of candy. So if you like like bit of honeys or if you like you know, the sweet tarts, you can say, I, I want all bin of honeys or I want all sweet tarts. They do special requests for the candy is, uh, I find that mind bogglingly crazy. Uh, so, you know, because, <laughs> um, it seems like, oh, it does probably doesn't seem like a lot to do special requests like that. But I mean, think about that. There's just inviting another thing you got to pay attention to <laughs> with your packaging is make sure your candy is special, but they do it. They uh, they actually do that. So you ever, you're a type of person who's like, hey, I really like a certain type of candy that they, more than the others they give you, you can request all fireballs. I think actually, I thought I heard Dave Friedman actually request all fireballs uh, when he gets his sweet water candy from here. Oh, Hector Cruz says, why are more expensive guitars being sold with gig bags instead of cases? This will become a trend question mark. Let's break that down in two pieces. The majority of the industry is going to tell you that you prefer gig bags. This could be possible. A lot of players now own so many guitars that a lot of cases become gluttonous and a problem. So the problem is you almost can't find anybody that doesn't have a few guitars. You know, um, I told you we did surveys on this channel and the average viewer has 12 and a half guitars. Apparently they cut one and a half, which is probably not the best idea, but that's the stats. The, um, the thing that's important to know is that if the average guitar player that's watching this podcast has 12 guitars, that's 12 cases. Do the math and uh, on the real estate on that. If you have a normal size closet in your house, that's your entire closet basically is a row of cases from side to side for the most part. And so that's a lot of cases. So their argument would be that a lot of players prefer a gig bag. Um, as you guys know, I do prefer gig bags because I like to have my guitar on my shoulder with my thumb underneath the strap holding it like almost like how a woman would hold a purse and it's because i know where my guitar is at all times i don't have to look down and go oh where to go or did i leave it over there it's just on my shoulder and i go i tell you that because one i prefer gig bags and two i want you to hear the reason why there is a justification for a lot of players liking gig bags the second part i told you that's important to mention is is that cases have become insanely expensive first of all birch has become insanely expensive um just plywood in general obviously a lot of birch comes from russia and uh, a lot of birch especially in speaker cabinets and other kind of things so you know i a a panel that was 40 dollars 
a few, zero, a few years ago could be $150 now. Again, giving general numbers. So you got to understand just the plywood to make cases have gone up three times, right? Threefold. That's one. Two, cases have become insanely expensive to ship because shipping an empty case costs the same as shipping a guitar in a case. The fact that the guitar is on average eight pounds heavier is not making the shipping double, right? It's only adding a few dollars or maybe $15, $20, whatever the price is. So you got to understand that shipping cases has become extremely expensive. And that means when I say shipping, keep in mind that most guitar companies, when I say most, let's just say 90%, don't make their cases. They buy their cases, which means they're having those cases shipped to them on pallets and you know, again, this is again a really high shipping costs with higher expenses on materials. And of course, like I said, the weight of those cases, it becomes a lot cheaper proposition to ship gig bags that are a lot lighter and can be packed into a smaller, especially when they're soft bags, packed down really tight. It's kind of like why the mattress industry wants to this basically shrink wrap your mattress down to nothing and send it to you, right? Um, compact it. They can compact those bags. You can basically vacuum suck those gig bags down really small and then ship them a lot ship a lot more gig bags for a lot less money so to be honest with you those two factors the factors that guitar players are buying so many guitars they have no room for all those cases and they're not really gigging because there's a lot of musicians or hobbyists the more musicians are hobbyists than 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 working musicians and gig bags are cheaper this industry, whether it's true or not, is going to push the agenda of gig bags because it's beneficial in two ways. Why pay for something that the consumer may not end up liking? And uh, so why not save the money and time and go to gig bag? I think that eventually is going to evolve into no gig bags or nothing, no cases or anything for guitars. We already know companies like Guitar Center. They bought their own case, Roadrunner case and gig bag company. And so they're... They're going to really want to push their own gig bags and cases. So think about this. There's an incentive for a large retailer to be satisfied with a manufacturer who does, ships guitars without cases, right? So made in Mexico, Strats and Tellys used to come with cases only 10 years ago. Could have been even more recent than that, but let's say 10 years ago. So when Fender decided not to ship them in gig bags anymore, you can imagine, I'm not, I don't know for sure, but you could imagine Guitar Center may not have given them a whole lot of pushback. They might have saw that as an opportunity to make more money because now they know most guitar players aren't going to hold it by the neck and walk out and put it on the back of the car seat. They're going to want to put in a gig bag, and there you have it. Save the day with a Roadrunner gig bag, which is a higher margin than they would have got if they would have got the smaller percentage off of just being a little bit more expensive guitar. Does it make sense? So there's more profit for them. So again, these are just uh, some, some reasons why they might do what they want. Yeah, Hector says, my Tim Henson shipped without a case or gig bag. I mean, it's becoming super common. In fact, I like I said, I think the future is, I don't know what the price points are, but let's just say lower price and mid-tier price guitars, no cases of gig bags. Upper mid-tier and expensive guitars, gig bags. Cases will just be premium, premium custom stuff uh, where the case is part of the kind of the experience. I don't think it's a far-fetched theory. Like me, I hate PRS cases. They're super heavy, and they're made of particle board. 
because that's why they're super heavy. Now, the particle board doesn't make them not good. The particle board is very dense, the press board, but it's so heavy. We'll be right back. Ever wonder how your favorite entertainers and athletes made it from childhood to the spotlight? Join me, Nashville-based entertainment reporter Jennifer Vickery-Smith, as I chat with moms of entertainers and entertaining moms on my hit podcast, Got It From My Mama. You'll hear delightful conversations with moms of everyone from the Jonas Brothers, Luke Bryan, Kelsey Ballerini, Steph Curry, Travis Kelsey, and so many more, sharing the journey from a perspective only a mama can share. New episodes weekly as we share the best conversations of family, faith, and fame on the Got It From My Mama podcast. Uh, PRS Silver Sky comes in a nice gig bag. See, and stuff like that. Think about this. The PRS Silver Sky comes in the gig bag per John Mayer's request. He wanted it that way. He specified it that way. Um, he did that with Fender as well. Um, when he was with Fender, why that's interesting is that Fender at that time, I think every single USA-made artist guitar came with a case. In fact, I know they did. Every single USA-made guitar artist guitar came with a case john mayer was the first one to come with a gig bag and that was absolutely a john mayer request he requested that his come with a gig bag he had a ton of reasons for that and uh you know again pushes that that way uh joe says gibson's gig bag is really nice i absolutely think they're some of my favorite gig bags yeah i agree 100 percent. i have a few of them and i love them in fact um the reason I have so many is I trade my Gibson cases for Gibson gig bags. Like I said, I don't have the real estate for all that stuff. So when I get a new Gibson and it has a hard shell case, once I've determined that I'm keeping that Gibson, I've had it for a while. I feel like this is not going out anywhere anytime soon or ever. I'll uh, find someone. There's always somebody that's willing on like on Craigslist or something like, Hey, if you have a, one of those nice uh, newer, nice, you know, Gibson gig, uh, gig bags, I'll trade you my case for it. A ton of places do it. Music stores do it. They'll trade it too because the used case is as valuable as even a new gig bag or a used gig bag in good condition as well. It's funny. Now we're a gig. This whole show is now just about gig bags and cases. Yeah. Um, okay. So Amanda's talking about Explorer cases. Uh, I got a case with my uh, Gibson Firebird and it's so huge. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a necessary evil for the size of that guitar, but it's ridiculous. And I kind of hate having it because I feel like I don't want it, but I also don't want to get rid of it because of the, you know, because it's specific for that guitar. Uh, Stu says, Hey, take your wife out after this for a couple of Mickey D burgers due to inflation. Hope you have, no, oh my goodness. Hope you have enough for fries. No, no one has enough for fries anymore, man. Uh, it says, if not get a couple shots of fireball. Yeah, that's, um, you know, uh, you know, cool, cool thing they did this year. I was really impressed with, I got to give the, you know, it's always a classy operation here at uh, Sweetwater. They did something this year. It was different last year. You know, we were allowed to eat in their cafeteria. So their employees have a full service cafeteria. It does uh, lunch, uh, or breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then of course it has in, in, you know, in in between times it has food as well. And of course drinks and and what have you. And then it has a full service coffee bar, coffee shop, sorry, coffee there, but it has a coffee shop. 
And this year, what they did is they gave us all gift cards um, so that we could just freely purchase whatever food or drinks we wanted throughout the day. So it's really, really cool. Cool idea. Um, I was really impressed, impressed by that. That seemed like, you know, just a really cool thing to do to say, hey, we gave you guys some gift cards. There's this much money on it. If you, you know, whatever you need, you're just done. And, uh, and it's really cool. Joe says, did you meet my person, your personal rep? I have a new rep. Um, Brent, I guess is no longer with, uh, Sweetwater. He left. And I think the new guy's name's Kevin. And I did not meet him in person, but I met him virtually. And, uh, however, 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 I did meet somebody really, really cool. You'd have to be a diehard fan of the channel to remember this. So that's a picture of me and a nice young man. His name is Kobe. Kobe, if you guys don't know, is that four years ago, I did a video where I compared a uh, sweet, I bought a Sweetwater guitar from Sweetwater. This is before I ever worked with Sweetwater in any kind of capacity in any way. I bought a guitar from Sweetwater and I reviewed it. It did. See, a bunch of you guys are <laughs> putting exclamation mark. You know what this is about. The guitar did extremely well. It passed all the uh, deep dive tests, everything I did. And the person who set that guitar up and ensured it, it was great and sent out to me was named Kobe. And um, he came up to me at the show and he says, hey, um, I just got to tell you, uh, this is surreal. I'm Kobe. And I'm like, like a, the Kobe who set up that guitar? And he's like, yeah. And he basically, he's, he's now worked here at Sweetwater 10 years. Hey, you guys are like, I know that video. Yeah, so it was really cool. So I talked to him for a few minutes, and I was able to, uh, you know, uh, learn a little bit about what he does. Basically, like I said, he ensures that all the guitars are set up and and play great before he ships them out. You know, just like the all the inspection, the guys who do the inspection stuff. And so it was really cool to meet him. And really, he, I was really shocked to hear he's like, you know, that he's been here 10 years. It tells you. It was just like I said, it was a really cool thing. I just wanted to share it with you again. Not super exciting, but just the, that's what kind of cool stuff happens in situations like this. You can't have that situation anywhere else, right? So did he get a raise after? No, he, I don't know if he got a raise. I didn't ask him. I should have asked him. Here's what I do know. I do know that when I did that video, that video was immediately shared with Chuck Surak. Um, and because I remember they reached out right after. And that's kind of what put me on Sweetwater's radar. As you guys know, I did a very, I did a positive review of them and I did a negative review of them because I got two different things and it went each way and they were, and so, you know, and Sweetwater, as they do, reached out both times in the same way they did. They, they were, uh, when it was positive, they, they, they said they were happy, had a great experience and they wanted to work with me. And when it was negative, they said they were sorry I had a bad experience and they wanted to work with me. <laughs> so, and get it better. So, uh, Songbike said, Hey, Phil, after 20 months, the Fender custom shop shipped my guitar, but not to the specs we agreed on supposed to relic the neck but they didn't yeah that's uh 20 months huh that's a long time man that's crazy you could have two babies <laughs> you could have two babies before they got you a guitar um yes i personally i don't really understand that particular business model where it takes forever to get a high-end guitar and it's rushed that's how i kind of feel I kind of feel like they're working those guys a little too hard, a little too fast. I don't know if they just don't have enough people in those shops or if there's just too many guitars. But I, I like I've said, you know, before when we talked about this, uh, a lot of custom shops are essentially ran like 
mass-produced shops. They're just called custom shop. And sure, there's a little, there's more attention to detail that's going to be put to the guitars and some of those stuff is going to be a little bit more expensive. But as I've said, I kind of, you're starting to see more companies kind of rely on the fact that the guitar is just unique and that's why it's more expensive, not necessarily that they've done better work to it. Um, but yeah, missing out on a detail like that. Um, and I could tell you why they messed up your guitar too, if this helps. It, and and so you know, because I always, you know, I kind of I kind of bag on Fender pretty often, but I don't mean to. I just, you know, we just talk about openly about everybody. Fender is not the only one with this problem. So let me explain how this works when you have a, a guitar like that being built. Uh, you filled out a sheet. You have an order sheet. You filled it out. You go everything, you know, you fill out everything probably with your dealer that is then submitted to Fender. Then they work up the order and then, you know, you can imagine now what's going to happen. They're going to start building the guitar. Um, it is very common when you, when you pick something that's a little bit different. And that's why I said, you're thinking they're a custom shop. They're just a very small mass produced version of a bigger mass produced shop. Right. And what I mean by that is the employees are so used to doing the same things over and over again, even though you're thinking custom, like you're thinking your guitar is unique, but really they're making hundreds of guitars like yours, not just not thousands, right? That's the big deal. And so what happens is the employee made one of the employees down that assembly process didn't look at the sheet or which is really common, not only with them, but is tons of companies is that the sheet was not with the guitar the entire time. So they didn't know to do it. It happens a lot. What will happen with a, an employee is uh, at these factories is they get the guitar and there's no sheet and they have to stop and go get their their supervisor, find the sheet, find out what's unique about the guitar. But you understand, meanwhile, they also have to hit their quotas, get their stuff done. And so they sometimes they'll take a gamble and say, you know, I, I'm sure it's the standard way and just let it go. And they didn't make the specification. I give Jeff Kiesel some credit. Jeff Kiesel from Kiesel Guitars, he was talking about that's one of their biggest obstacles there is that when people request something that's far, not more extreme, just more unique. So in other words, if they make 500 guitars this month that have truss rod covers and you ask them not to put a truss rod cover on there, um, the question became, why does Kiesel Guitars charge you to not put a truss rod cover on there? And the reason is, is because all it takes is one mistake in that process of making you the guitar and the employee drills a hole in the headstock because he's just so used to get the guitar, drill a hole, put the truss rod cover. And if they didn't see the sheet or they didn't look at the sheet, they will have to start that guitar from scratch again. So they charge a little bit more, one, so that they can uh, pull it aside and of kind of avoid that mistake, but also in case they do make that mistake, they can fast track a new neck for you or a new guitar for you, which is what they do all the time when they make a mistake like that and get out the door. And again, I, the reason I tell you this again is because I want you guys to understand that the, the industry uses the term custom shop, but the word custom, it, it's like buying a semi-custom home. They all look the same. They're all cookie cutter. You just get to change your cabinets and a couple of things. Custom shops is just a plug and play thing. It's not like when Fender says they're making custom shop strats, they're not making totally, you know, different guitar. Every guitar is different. They make the same mass produced guitar just with slightly uh, elevated features that you can't get on the on their bigger production guitars. So I'm sorry that happened to you. And I hope maybe that explanation doesn't make you 
well, it's not gonna make you feel better about it but at least maybe helps with the your frustration you have right now of why why they let that happen um they should be able to fix that especially yours because you just they didn't relic it yeah just give it to them they'll they'll relic it <laughs> or maybe they'll send you a, some some uh they'll send you a uh some dry ice and a heating pad and a keychain and let you just do it yourself. Lewis B man says, Phil, have you ever played a Zion guitar? Okay. So Zion guitars. Yes, I have played a Zion guitar. I played many of them. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Zion guitars are essentially Tom Anderson guitars. So, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but Tom Anderson and Schechter at one point, uh, worked together. They, that was a collaboration and that's why they have the same style pickups because Schechter was a parts company. It's a very long story. It doesn't matter. What you need to know, though, is that there was these guitars called Zions. And I actually have a weird story about Zion. The first Zion I ever came across, what happened was somebody brought one to me. This is when we had a shop years and years ago. And I had never heard of it. And looking at it, it looked very nice. You could tell it was a high-end guitar, but again, off-brand. Um and not knowing what it was, I didn't know how to value it. And this is kind of predates, you know, you, I could go, I went on, I think I went on eBay. This is before Reverb, Reverb. And you'd go on eBay and I looked and I don't think I found anything in the complete auctions. And uh, that's how I, I became versed to know that it's connected to Tom Anderson. And it's that kind of quality because I remember I offered the guy something really low because I wasn't sure what to do with it. You know, I, I, I mean, it was low. I mean, even for back then, it was probably $300. And he's like, oh, man, I thought it was worth more than that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, don't, I just don't know, man. And uh, so he sold it to us and I bought it. And then I think we put it for $500. And luckily, uh, a, a, a very good friend now who's a amazing guitar collector. Uh, and when I say collector, I don't mean he buys guitars. He's a collector like he buys and sells high-end guitars, you know, uh, vintage guitars. He came in and he saw the price tag on the guitar and he goes, are you sure about that price? And I said, I don't know. What do you think? And he goes, it's worth like a thousand bucks minimum. And I'm like, really? And he's like, and that's back then. Now it'd probably be a $1,500 guitar used or more. Um, Zions, you can sometimes, if you go on Reverb right now, you'll look up Zion, Z-I-O-N, and uh, or for Canadians, Z-I-O-N. And um, uh, they're all over the place. You'll see them just like I talked about. You'll see one for three grand. You'll see one for four grand. You'll see one for 1500 bucks. Um, Every once in a while, there's there's one for a great price. Um, and like I said, you'll see they're very good quality guitars. And if anyone's curious what ever happened with that guitar, what we are doing for it, I sold it for $600. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wait, you know, that was still, still low. It was low, but there was no way to track down the guy and give the guy more money for the guitar we bought from him. I didn't really, I, I'll tell you what I was not interested in having. I was not interested in having the guy come back in my store and have it marked for eight nine hundred dollars and then him think maybe that's I you know I tricked him. Uh, I didn't. I just didn't know. So I put it for six. I was like, oh, that doubles my money. That's a good. That's a good flip. And you know, if he came in, obviously it would be in line with what I gave him. You know, something like that. I can't remember, but probably even probably hope that he would come in because if he came in, I could go, hey, I want to give you a couple hundred bucks more, and I'm gonna flip it for eight nine hundred bucks. Okay. Uh, Harrison wants to know, Hey, Phil, happy Friday. Happy Friday, man. How would you compare the Gibson fifties neck carve to the PRS pattern regular? I'm looking at a Gibson and haven't felt that carve. 
this is going to be, this is actually a harder question than you think. Here's why. I would tell you that the Gibson 50s neck is a thicker neck. Obviously, if you watch my videos, we caliper every neck and we go through all the thicknesses and details and compare and contrast. And so you know that by those samples and the and the template plates that I use, that the 50s Gibson neck is a thicker neck than the PRS neck. But there's two problems, and this is what makes it difficult. One, Gibson necks are not consistent. And they're even less consistent throughout each year. And when I say years, I don't mean 50s to 60s to 70s to 80s and 90s, you know, to now. I mean, like, 2019s feel different than 2015s, and 2015s now feel different than 2005s, right? So there's not a lot of, and, and so, you know, like a Gibson R9 is a great example. You could pick up 10 Gibson R9s and get at least five different neck feels. And if we caliper them, you can see the difference. A perfect example, if you guys don't know, if you're looking. So, Harrison, if you're looking at um, high-end Gibson, I've told you guys for years, if you're looking at any Luthery tools, anything to repair your guitars, you always go to Stumac. I tell you guys, you don't have to buy from Stumac. Just understand that their resource is so deep. Whatever you're looking for, it's there. And from there, you can find the part number and see what you want to do, right, as a, as a consumer. Um, for Gibson gear... I cannot recommend anything any higher than Wildwood Guitars. You go to Wildwood Guitars, they not only weigh the guitars, they caliper the first and 12th fret of every single guitar they sell. They don't give you the factory specs. They actually do what I do. They, they actually measure the thicknesses. And in that, in that, if you go to their website and you do exactly what I'm saying, go to pick up Gibson 50s neck, whether it's a custom shop neck or a production neck, you're going to see, oh my goodness, these necks are different numbers, each model, because here's why. Gibson is still a heavy hands company, right? They're still running the company uh, mostly with more handwork on the guitars, right? They're trying to get that, that feel. They're trying to make the guitars feel like they always did. And because of that, everybody's got different hands. Everybody's got different arms and muscles. So and sandpaper is different when it's brand new than when it's been used for, you know, the third guitar in a row. So if you give an employee who's had two Red Bulls and a brand new piece of paper to sand the profile, uh, sand the back of a neck, they might remove, you know, uh, a millimeter or two millimeters of the neck. And that doesn't sound like a big deal. It is a big deal, right? Like I said, your senses are your nose, your eyes your fingertips is because these are so these things that we have our tongue our nose our eyes our fingertips are so sensitive they can detect subtle things and that's why we notice little things with necks and stuff because our hands are very very sensitive so uh so be aware of that where paul reed smith guitars if you were to check pattern regulars across like let's say an sc 245 man it's going to be pretty dang consistent I mean, there's going to be a little bit of variance, but it's going to be pretty subtle, um, not the same. And it's not because they don't do as much handwork. It's because PRS is just a focused, a company that's focused a different way, right? PRS is focused on consistency, quality and consistency. Gibson's focused on heritage and legacy, right? So that's what I would tell you. But if you wanted like a, just an easy answer, which is probably too late now, of which one's just a more thinner neck? It's going to be the pattern regular. But the other problem is they're not carved the same. And as I've said before, when you're looking at like a C shape on a neck, the shoulders, the sides, 
how much of the shoulders are missing or there really changes the way the neck feels for a lot of players. Something to share with you guys. I think I share. Uh, let me share this with you. Revamps gave all of us channels here a pedal. They thought this would be a funny thing to do. I thought it was funny. What they did is they made this pedal. On the back at mine, it says made for Phil McKnight. And on the front, it says the chat breaker. There's an actual article about this pedal in Guitar World right now, if you want to read that article. And what it is, is Rev thought it'd be funny to ask chat GPT to make them a pedal. They wanted to see if the AI could build a pedal. And so they asked it questions. It's like, hey, we want to make a pedal. How do you do that? And it says, oh, you use diodes and, and you know, transistors and knobs. And it says, this is how you do it. And they said, okay. And they went through this process to build a pedal and chat GPT built a pedal. It actually made a blues breaker pedal, which is even more interesting, right? Cause that's a very famous pedal. You know, John Mayer uses it. And of course, uh, Marshall's reissued it, but the designers at Rev, when they looked at what chat GP designed, obviously they were able to tell that it was a blues breaker, but also they looked at it and they said, based on this schematic, it's not even going to work. <sighs> so they had to go in and they, they had to kind of, tweak it and finish what chat gpt the ai had kind of done done and so they made it and they thought it would be funny so i guess not only did they give one everybody here and put their names on it which is a very kind thing to do uh they made an exclusive limited run product for sweetwater if you guys are i know you guys like you know all the crazy like fart pedals and crazy pedals this is the first pedal ever to be designed primarily by ai so that's funny right so that was a really nice uh, thing. So I just want to share with you guys. Um, that's what makes some of these events like it's really cool because I always look at this pedal over the years and remember the time that they did that. And then, you know, it's got my name on it. So and it's always like the AI didn't clone Digitech. I, I'll tell you why uh, they were shocked. They said, uh, Derek at Rev said, he was super shocked that the AI didn't clone, let's say, a Tube Screamer or DS1, right? Something super famous. I mean, Bluesbreaker is kind of a weird pedal, although we really like it. It just seemed weird that that's the pedal it gravitated towards. It did. What does it sound like? I don't know. I will make a video, so that's why. I'm going to make a video of the pedal. I figured they were nice enough to give it to me. Let's do a video of it and uh, give you a reaction to it. I want to do the actually... That's what I want to do is I want to capture my reaction to what I hear and what I do and then share with you guys. So, all right. I know I said that was the last question. Is there anything else before we go? You see anything? Windsurf says, are you having an allergic reaction? I am. I started feeling it yesterday and a little bit the day before and I've been taking Claritin and the Claritin has been helping, but I feel like I'm, uh, I just not used to all the plants. I'm used to cactus and dirt. Yes. Did you know like this whole state has grass? All right. I hope. Oh, let's see. Okay, cool. I hope you guys had some fun. Like I said, this was kind of like an ad hoc kind of do something crazy kind of one. Um, but, you know, I, I try not to miss the shows on Fridays. I know it's not the same as when we do it you know, at the home studio. Um, but I actually think these are kind of crazy and fun because, you know, there's a lot of stuff and this is crazy. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, have a great weekend. I have some cool videos coming out, so please look out for them. Please, if you haven't checked out already, you should check out Lies Guitar Players Tell Themselves and Others video. It's a fantastic video and you guys have been blowing it up uh, for the last 
24 hours. I think it did 40, 50,000 views in the first 24 hours, which is pretty good for a video like that. And uh, as always, guys, man, I want to thank you so much. And I will see you very soon. And uh, as always, thank you for your time. And know your gear.